So if you're wondering about the shrunken choir that was up here this morning, that's our, our little His Kids program, which runs up to about grade six. If you're not familiar with it, they meet Sunday nights and uh, praise the Lord together. And uh, they're going to be putting a presentation on May the 7th in the evening, and we'll be looking forward to that. It's uh, the unselfie, selfless in a selfie world. So we'll look forward to that and uh, what they are going to bring on that occasion. I was looking, um, searching this week for uh, North American values and uh, came upon a study done by Andrews University in Michigan. They posted um, a listing of what North Americans value presently, and uh, I'm sure it won't surprise you, although it uh, is a little alarming in terms of the scope of it or the lack of scope. Individualism, independence, individual expressions, scientific approach, privacy, materialism, and mobility and competition. Let's look at that list for a few moments. It's um, a list that is very focused on me. It's all about me. And the truth of the matter is what a society values shapes that culture. So since this is in fact what North Americans value, whether or not we realize it, we and our children are being fundamentally shaped by these cultural values. You and I are products of this agenda. And here's the thing. Today we're going to talk about Christianity. We talk about the Bible. And in particular, we're going to talk about the theology of community, the truth about community. And the simple truth is that community taught in the scriptures will be naturally, culturally, instinctively opposed. And the reason for that is because we are being shaped by a culture that values individualism, values privacy, values competition and mobility, individual expression. The idea, of the idea and vision of community wars against our natural sensibilities. So when we talk about the subject of community, when we talk about the theology of community, it is highly likely that what we're going to talk about will bump up against how you wish to express yourself in life. It's highly likely that you won't find what we are taught in the scriptures about community easy or even comfortable because you are being so shaped by a counterculture, an opposite culture. The truth of the matter is that wherever economic lift exists, community will be hardest to sell. These values are fundamentally Western values. The West is rich, and where, economic, where we have economic lift, there is a, a lack of sense of need for community. 
Prosperity dulls the senses to need any longer. And quite honestly, the casualty is usually spiritual. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open them to the book of Acts. We want to continue from where we left off last week. Jesus Christ lived, died, was buried, rose again, was seen by over 500 people, ascended into heaven. 50 days after Passover, the Holy Spirit was given to a group of people called the church. And we pick up the story from there. They have received the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The church is now established, inaugurated. And we are going to look at the idea, the vision of church from the early stages. There are some differences as time has gone on, but the essence and the core ideal and the core vision of church is transferable to our present time. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who received his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now that's church growth. (laughs) One day, 3,000 people, and they had to do something with it. 3,000 people, and here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That caught my attention. Because that statement is what all of us long for, isn't it? Isn't that our heart's desire? That God would add to his church every single day people who are being saved? We had the joy of seeing a woman come in this week to the office and Pastor Steve was able to lead her to the Lord. That's a great thing. We rejoice. Wow, how we rejoiced that someone was added to God's church. But these, this time, they were being added every day to the church of Jesus Christ. How we long for that. Well, what we read before tells us something about how that might happen. If God was going to add people to the church, maybe it's necessary for us to be the church to be the church of the scriptures, to be the church that that Christ, through his word, has appointed here. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to see what what we're uh, to be. But before we do that, let's ask the Holy Spirit to guide our hearts and our thoughts. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, um, the idea and ideal of the church that is fashioned here. Lord, we long for people to be saved. We long for our friends, our neighbors, this city, our region to come to you. We long to be able to report in the journal of Calvary Baptist Church that people were being added to the church every day. 
those who are being saved, those who welcome the message. Father, we know that you are a saving God. We know that you still save people. And so I pray that wherever we have readjusted our lives to, to drift away from the, the vision and the par- pattern and paradigm of church, I pray that you would call us back to that. I pray, oh God, that, that where we have allowed the culture to shape us into being individualistic, meistic, selfish, self-centered, individualistic, and, and um, private, alone. God, I just pray that you would help us to think again about these things and realize that what you have given to us in Christianity is completely opposite to what North Americans presently value. And for us to recognize that we can't help but be shaped in some ways by the sheer pressure of the values around us. And so I pray that the Spirit of God would break through in our lives. Oh, fall fresh on us as we've been praying, oh God. Fall fresh on us. If we need to start over in our life, then then would we have the humility to do that, oh God? Where we need to um, change direction, repent. Lord, would, would we repent? Change our mind about things? So I pray that Truly, the Spirit of God would shape our lives today and not the culture. That we would no longer be conformed to the likeness of this culture, this present age, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind through your word and the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, I pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So as we think about the theology or the truth about community, simply put, Christianity is a community religion. The way of Christ expressed more fully is through community. What Christ intends, by the way, people desperately need. They can't buy it. They can't get it alone. But what they need is care and comfort, accountability, counsel, discipleship. The the disintegration of our society all around us belies the fact that that's what people desperately need. And it is to that that the body of Christ is expected to excel. We are expected to excel in care and comfort and accountability and counsel and discipleship. That's what Christ has called us. That's what, when the presence of the Spirit of God fell upon the church, empowering them to be the very thing that people need, the very thing that they desperately cry out to be. Now, as I look at this text this morning, I really want to zero in on one aspect of the, ch- of the church, the early church. And in verse 42, it says they were devoted to several things, but I want to zero in this morning to one thing they were devoted to. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were devoted to fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. But I want to center our attention this morning on this. They were devoted to the fellowship. 
devoted, dedicated, passionate about the fellowship. What is this fellowship? Well, you've probably heard the word used, koinonia. It appears 19 times in the New Testament, most of the times in, in, in Acts. Koinonia, it's, every pastor likes to use it at least once in his ministry to prove that somehow he knows a Greek word. So you, you, you've already heard that word, koinonia. <laughs> and you know what it really means? Sharing. Sharing. That's a very, very picturesque word. And we're going to build the case this morning for community on that word, sharing, partaking, participating, sharing. Think about that. Don't lose the sense of that word because that's what it is. The, follows, the fellowship of believers. It, it's not communism. It's not socialism. It's togetherism. That's Christianity. Christianity is togetherism. The theology of Christianity as the community religion can only be worked out in the context of community connectedness. So let me ask you, does that word describe the essence, the core essence of Calvary Baptist Church? Sharing. When people think of Calvary, they say, wow. You know, when I think of Calvary, I think fellowship. I think sharing. Or when they think of you. Or as you think about yourself, is the word sharing something that you're devoted to, you are passionate about? They devoted themselves to sharing. That's what it says there. Now, how stunted your Christian growth is or how frustrating you find your growth is, is directly proportionate to how disconnected you are from Christian community. If you find yourself really frustrated, really not growing, I would put my finger on the possibility that you're disconnected from Christian community. You're not devoted to sharing. You're not passionate about partaking and participating. You're not so we're asking the question this morning, how is Christianity, modern Christianity, Christianity represented and lived out in Calvary Baptist Church, how is that Christianity different from the independent, self-centered individualism of our God-indifferent culture? That, that's the question we're asking. And, and specifically, I mean, we can make generalities today, but I, I want to bring this to our, a, a real application personally. What about you? What about me? How different am I? am I? Am I counter to the values that we read at the very front? How much do I reflect the values that we find right here? Devoted to sharing. Am I? Is that me? So what I see here this morning, we're just going to talk about three things. The early church modeled three eye-popping, heart-hopping, gob-stopping, jaw-dropping priorities. How's that? Okay? Twitter that. <laughs> and because of it, God was at work. Because they put these as priorities, God was at work among them. The first is found in verse 46. It's found in a word, the word together. They were intentionally together for transformation. 
God was catching the attention of people. You notice here it says, in, and they were, they were gay, enjoying the favor of all the people. And, and in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. Like God was, God was getting the attention of the people in Jerusalem. That church was like something was going on and, and people were noticing. So we're, we're interpreting, we're analyzing this morning, what were they noticing? They were noticing something special, something unique about this group of people that they weren't noticing in others around them. The early church had great discipleship expectations and they saw it, they could feel it, they were living it. And this word together in verse 46 is very illustrative. It's, when we use the word together, we think, oh, uh, yeah, they were, they were sort of just hanging out and all of that. That's nice. That's not what that meant. In fact, um, the New American Standard translates the word one mind. Um, the, the best that, that we can do is to say this word together means passionate, intentional togetherness of agreement, sameness. This is a passionate, fiery intention to be together. This is something quite different than, hey, we're going to church today. Oh, come on. We're going to church again. We have to go to church. No, this is entirely different from that. It's the complete opposite of that. I can't wait until we get together with the people of God. I I can't wait to be with God's people, the people who believe what I believe and know Christ and love Him and we can praise Him and exalt His, His glorious name and learn about Him and serve Him together. This is... In their big gatherings, they gathered in the temple and they gathered in homes, whether it was their big gatherings or their little gatherings. It was about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they were excited about him. They were excited about being together about him. That's how the church becomes full of mature and produces many leaders. Instead of many fights and splits and divisions. Although um, it says they, in the description here that they met um, every day, it's not really about the frequency. This, this word, this meeting, this togetherness, this connectedness, this, this community, it wasn't so much about the frequency as it, as, as it was about the intense intentionality. It, this is not a... Uh, a part of our life if we have some time left over in the end of our busy week or if, if, uh, if I have nothing more entertaining to do or this, this, is, the, this is the fire of our lives. This is the, the passion and intention of our lives. This, this is what moves us and motivates us. It's not a take it or leave it atmosphere. It's a contagious conviction that we must be with these people. You know, um, it's something like the intensity, I would guess, that seems to be going on in the sporting world right now. It's like, it's like the Jurassic Park at ACC. You know, the Raptors are playing and, and people are throwing a ball into a net. And it's consuming people. It fills up the building and it spills out into a, a, a place beside. It's like the, the Air Canada Center now that the, the Leafs are in the playoffs and they're winning a couple of games. Like who would have thought that, that, that they could beat the Capitals? And, and, and 
5,000 or 20,000 people in a room all wearing their little jerseys and the same little things. Look at my maple leaf. And, and there's, there's 5,000 of them stretched outside, standing in the cold, lousy weather, cheering for the leaves, watching them on video. It's like, what? And God's people. It's like, Ah, there's a few of us in this room this morning. Don't you think this room should be packed with people and there should be 5,000 people out in the parking lot who can't get in here and they're watching on a video screen? People drive by and say, oh, that's, that's at least as important as the Maple Leafs. We, as humans, get excited about things and we like people who are the same as us and they're, they're passionate about the same thing as us. And Like, I didn't grow up in this Toronto area, so... So um, I, I'm, I'm not sort of, I, I have got to enjoy the thing that you've got to enjoy so much where you're all the same and you cheer for the same teams and you're all Leaf fans and all that kind of stuff. I grew up in another part of, the, uh, of Ontario and, and so when I go to a game around here, it's like, that's not my people. My people aren't there. I go there, where are my people? There's, there's a bunch of people wearing blue and white, but they're not my people because my people wear black and gold. And, and, and so every so often I go on, a, I go on an excursion and, um, and, and a few years back I got a chance to go the, for the first time to a, a place that... Uh, that I'd never been to before, but was where my people were in Pittsburgh. And, and you're saying, Pittsburgh? Wait a second. What? No, that's the NFL. And in Pittsburgh, I, I went to Heinz Field, and, and uh, I, I took a picture of being with my people. See, I, I'm with my people now, okay? So that, those are my people. And, and uh, they're wearing black and gold. And, and, uh, and, and no, there's no truth to the rumor that that was Pastor Steve with me. Uh, but no, no it's, it's like we're, we're there and, 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 and for the first time in my life I'm looking around and everybody's wearing black and gold and it's my people and we're the same and we're all fired up about the same thing and we're cheering for the same cause and, and it's very exciting and, and, and I realize that this, this is what this together word means. Homothumadon. Fired up. Intentionally passionate about the same thing consumed to be together with the people who think the same way and love the same things and cheer for the same Christ. Shouldn't we be at least that? What does the Lord see when he looks at us? You have a bonfire, you know, and you pull out some embers and you move them out to the side. You know, they, they start to lose heat really fast. You have, the reason we're called to this, you, you have to keep being pulled back to the fire. There's something about the energy of being with a group of people who love the Lord with all of their hearts, mind, soul, body, and strength. It, it, it's infectious and contagious, just like it is in our hobbies and our entertainment. It, it's, it's more so in the, in the presence of God and what He wants and by the way, your children notice your passions. Your passions rub off on your children. It's not so much about frequency. It's about intense intentionality. Because Jesus commissioned us to produce more church by making disciples. Not theological intellects, 
Not people who are fans of preaching or fans of Christian music. He called us to make disciples. And uh, disciples are made by modeling the Christ life. It's not about reading and lectures. That just creates knowledge. It's about laboratory apprentices doing life in Christ together. It's about the community that's real has to experience what it means to take the Word of God and actually apply it to your day-to-day life. That's what making disciples is. This, this was not some sort of random act of accident where a bunch of little kids came up on the platform this morning. This is a reflection of, of really a core value of Calvary. It's about apprenticing and developing leaders and These little kids who grab the mic today and come and share God's word or pray and praise him, they're the leaders who will be standing here in the future doing this. The the future choir, the the future leaders of praise and worship and and, and devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread and all of that. It's, it's, It's teaching and modeling and apprenticing It's not simply sitting, staring at a lecture or listening to some Christian music and going home. The early church was a movement of action, a movement of discipleship, a movement of apprenticing. Discipling requires time. It requires proximity. It requires passion. It requires transparency. It requires being together in a variety of settings. It requires doing, applying the word of God and, and, and falling flat on your face and having someone pick you up and help you and, or, or, or you're, you're not understanding. What did Rick say to I don't really get it. It requires you being together saying, well, this is what he, I've been trying that. It doesn't work in my life. Well, here's what maybe you need to do. It's about being together and, and, and that's what, The church was doing in this word together. Virtually everything about me has been watching and involving my life with other believers. Virtually everything. I've been to seminary, read the books, all of that. Everything about preaching, everything about pastoring, I'm in trouble. It's a good job Pastor Keith isn't here. Although I think he agrees with me. I didn't learn that stuff in seminary. Yes, I, went, I learned the tech, technology of it all. Everything about preaching and pastoring, I have learned from pastors and preachers. Who have studied and watched and, 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 and saw what they did and saw how they communicated and, and, and paid attention to what they were doing and, and how their life reflected Christ and how they lived out their life and how they treated people. It's, it's how you have to live together to do that. You have to be together to do that. So let me ask you a question. Are you sharing yourself with your brothers and your sisters in Christ? 
Are you sharing yourself or are you keeping yourself to yourself? Individualistic, private, come here, go home as fast as possible, look straight at me, never ever turn around. There's some interesting people behind you, you know, this morning. I don't know if you know that or not. Some crazy characters behind you. Unless you're against the wall. So what secondly do I see here? In the, in the language used to describe the launch of the church, in the early stages of the movement, I see words like everybody, all the people, all, 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 these, exclusive, all, all these inclusive words, all these, these words of, uh, of gathering. And, G, and, and God was adding to the, to, the, to the people daily. Why? Because everyone, look at the words, everyone was filled. All the believers were together. Every day they're going to meet together and, and they were all, all the people enjoying the favor of all the people, praising God. All of these, these words that describe everybody, not a few, not a few passionate ones say, oh, they're really, they're really committed to Christ. That's why they're gathering together. No, this was all the people, all the believers, everybody who was calling themselves a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, all of them were devoted to this. This wasn't a special class. And everything in common, selling things to meet needs. Everybody mattered and was contributing with commitment to the, to the mission movement. That's what this looks like. So I see the second priority here as, a, as an ind- interdependent, indispensable connectedness for completeness. We, we learn in the scriptures that, that God has put us together in, a, in, in what's really illustrated intelligently, the body of Christ. It helps us to get an understanding of, of who we are and what we are. And that, that illustration is perhaps the best to understand the indis- indispensability of us. When we are together, as a, a called together as a community of faith, we are called together as a body. That, that means that we bring different parts of the body together. You read Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, that, that the body, all of your parts are indispensable. You need them. So, it, you know, Paul gives this illustration like, no, you know, you can't just be an eye. I mean, think about that. If, if we were all just an eye, we'd at least need somebody to roll us around. You at least need one other person. But then again, you, you, as an eye, as you were just an eye, you couldn't even see, right? Because an eye needs to be connected to a brain. So everything's interconnected in the body. It all, it all functions that way. And, and we are told that, that when Christ ascended, he gave gifts to men and women. And those gifts are differing, but they make up the full complement of who Christ is. And, and so we are called together indispensably to, to, to manifest the fullness of Christ one with the other. And as we do that... In Ephesians chapter 4, as we equip each other, as we work together, as we do life together, as we mend the nets of each other's lives together, it says there that we are becoming more and more in unity. And that unity is what is required to move to maturity. 
The reason that some churches, the reason that some sad churches, certain situations are splitting and breaking up and dividing and, and, and grumbling and murmuring is because they have never reached maturity. And the reason they haven't meet, reached any form of maturity is because they have no unity. And the reason they have no unity is because they're not together discipling one another. That's why we hold this as such a high value. We we need to understand that once we come to know Christ, our life is no longer our own. Our life is no longer our own. We, the whole reason that we use the word sharing or the Bible uses the word sharing is because we are owned by each other. We don't live, we we are not in this the same as the world which says, hey, I got my own life. You can't tell me what to do. You can't ask me to do this. Uh, I'm not going to be held accountable to that. That's, that's completely foreign to the vision of church. Church is a people together who are accountable to each other, who are owned by each other. We share our lives together. We are owned by Christ. And Christ has given us as a gift to each other. That's what the scriptures teach. It's quite legitimate for you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are, or to say this, I am God's gift to you. (laughs) I am. I am God's, you know, because we often say, who do you think you are? You think you're God's gift to humanity? Well, as a matter of fact, I am. That's exactly who you are. And it's important for us to know that. But when we say that, I am God's gift to you, you know why saying that? You actually are a gift. You now no longer own your life. It has been hidden in Christ and given to each other. That's who we are. So you're indispensable. Don't you like that? That's better than anything Mr. Rogers has ever said. Because you you truly are indispensable to each other. And we are interdependent for the care of new believers. They didn't just, new believers came, they just ignored them. No, the new believers came, they they cared for them and, and the material needs of each other were taken care of. In um, Dr. Dave Wheeler, who, who was here a few years ago as our keynote speaker for one of our global conferences, wrote a, a book, a study book uh, called Minister to Others. And in it, he identifies five barriers for why we don't share our lives with each other, why we, why we are not sharing our stuff with each other. He identifies these five barriers, and they're, they're actually va- now, they're the values of North American Western culture. The first is materialism. Why don't we share our stuff, our lives with each other? Because we we're attached to our things. We really are attached to our things. Remember when the rich young ruler in Mark 10 came to see Jesus? Wanted to follow him, so he said. Jesus said, well, if you want to follow me, go sell your stuff and give it to the poor. And he went away sad because he didn't want to sell his stuff. 
That's the North American epidemic. We're more interested in accumulating stuff than we are in accumulating our responsibility to people. And we are called here to sell our stuff. That's what they were doing, sell our stuff and give it to people who need something. The second is entitlement. We believe that our comfort and our preference is our right. We're entitled to it. You know, we come in here, you know, I, I noticed in the first service especially, people are coming in and they, they came in in their normal time, but because the kids were up this morning, people were already here a lot earlier and they were sitting in their particular spots. And I noticed this morning, because as I was looking around the congregation, people were all over the place in different places than they usually are. And I know that some people came in and went like, wait a second, I just playing this out in their mind. That's my spot. Like, that's where I sit. I'm, I'm entitled to that place. I, I mean, in the old days, you know, you used to buy sections of the church. You used to buy your own sections, you know, gated off communities. This is my section of the church, you know. You imagine people come in. Hey, that's the baker area. You, you can't sit there. Get out of there. You know, like somebody comes to find, a, find Jesus and you're like, get out of my pew. But that's what entitlement plays out like. Or pride. Pride never serves. You have to be humble to serve. If you aren't serving, it might be because you're proud. Or it might be because you're spiritually blind. You don't see any needs. Because needs would inconvenience you. It's like blind Bartimaeus, who's a poor, poor blind man sitting on the side of the road, crying out to, 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 to Jesus as he walked by. And, and, and the people following Jesus with with whole bodies and could see you and everything. They're telling them, be quiet, shut up. Jesus isn't interested in you. That's exactly who Jesus was interested in. Or maybe you're suffering from unconfessed sin, running all the red lights in your life. It's unlikely that you'll be interested in community, a community that's passionate for Christ because they remind you that you're falling so far short of the glory of God but that's the safety of community. I want to know if I'm falling short of the glory of God. I need to know how far short I'm falling, falling of the glory of God. We need each other. The blind spots need to be surfaced. I don't want to break the heart of my Savior. So let me ask you the second question. Are you sharing your stuff? Because there's really two things that are really identified here. Are you sharing yourself and are you sharing your stuff? Because that's what makes community happen. And the final thought here is, is I notice that there's another together in verse 44. But it's a different together than the together in verse 46. It's to, the together that actually means closeness or proximity. It means I, I, wanna, I don't want to be segregated. I don't want to be separated. I don't want to be far apart from the people who love my Jesus. I want to be really close to them. Uh, we're tight. We're connected. We love each other. The first is a passionate togetherness, an intentionality. The second is, I don't want any distance at all. Inclusively close for mission, in complete contrast to the norm of community exclusiveness. See, you can't be in Leaf Nation unless you love the Leafs. 
I can't, I, I'm not entitled to be in Leaf Nation. So most communities are, are established by who they exclude. Christianity is inclusive. Most other religions are separated by race or culture or tradition or some geopolitical reality. Christianity is completely different from that. We are called to be together just because we love Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with rank or station in life. It has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's entirely different. All the believers were together, meaning they were close, they were tight. They were including everybody. Races, rank, gender didn't apply to this community. They were spiritual brothers and sisters in a new redeemed community. That's all that mattered. A community that called people, that called Jesus their Lord and Savior. That's what this community was. The only race that mattered was the third race. The third race is, doesn't matter what race you are, doesn't matter about your politics, doesn't matter about your gender, doesn't matter about your station in life, rich or poor. What matters is that you're rich in Jesus Christ. And that's who the third race is. And that's who we're close to. And that's who we hang with. And that's who we're tight with. Liberty gives way. My freedoms give way to this community. They give way to belonging in this community. That's what they were going to learn in Acts 15. When the Jews and the Gentiles were coming together and, and the, the Gentiles weren't circumcised and there was all kinds of differences and, and, and the new community was saying, it's about the third race. It's about brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who love Jesus as Lord and some of your liberties you're going to have to set aside for the sake and the cause of community and some of your traditions you're going to have to set aside for the sake of, of, of not alienating people, not being an alienating factor, because all that matters is Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you're tight and close because of him. And God the evangelist, God the evangelist grows that race. God the evangelist grows that race. When we live our part, God adds to the church daily those who are being saved. Meeting community needs was more important than accumulating things. You know why? Because the goal, the single goal, was knowing Jesus and making him look spectacular to the people around. Say, I got to get in on this. I want to get in on this. I don't have comfort. I don't have care. I don't have accountability. I don't have anybody who cares about me. But they care. They're comforting. They're accountable. They're making disciples. I need to be in on that. That was the difference. And the Lord added to that church who he could trust. So are you close? In a world that prides itself on unfriending, disposable relationships, hyper-privacy, community avoidance, transient nomads, loyalty for personal gain, not for the good of others, 
bored, living in a free agency world, free agency churches, guarded transparency, church as a supplement to my busy world of entertainment, outsourcing care and counsel. In Jesus' church, all their stuff was considered garage sale, rummage sale stuff in comparison to the passion they had for Jesus Christ, for praising and praying and sharing and caring and celebrating. So, are you sharing yourself and your stuff for the glory of God and that everyone outside might be envious, might wish they had what we had, and might rush to find out who is this Christ who makes you the way you are. I think a definition, a good definition of Christianity is this, a transformative people glorifying Christ by sharing in close, passionate, proximity, ourselves and our stuff. Father, would you make us that? Only you can. We resist it. But Lord, we long. We long to be the church that you want to add to those who daily are welcoming and receiving the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lived out by your disciples. For Jesus' sake I pray. Amen. I see as I look in this text again the words all and everybody and all the people. And I see descriptions like filled with awe, the favor of people, with glad hearts, and the church was growing. That's an amazing description of what I think all of us long for in our hearts to experience. So are you trying to work out your Christianity by yourself and frustrated and struggling? Because you will. You will struggle and you will be frustrated. You're trying to work out your understanding of Christ all by yourself. You'll be frustrated. So let me ask you, are, are you sharing yourself with someone, some of God's people? If so, who? And I mean sharing your life. Who, who are they? Are you sharing your stuff with the people of God? Who, who are you sharing your stuff with? Can I encourage you, um, if you've been trying to privatize your relationship with Christ, if you haven't been practicing community, can, can I invite you to give our discipling communities a shot? Why not come out tonight? See what it's like. Pastor Kelvin will help you find a place to go tonight. Discover what it is to start in the journey of discipling in community. So critical to your growth. So important. It is the vision that Christ has given. It is the ideal that Christ has given to us. I encourage you to be part of that. Father, I pray this morning and thank you for your word that's clear to us together, passionately together, 
in proximity together, indispensably together. That's your vision of church. May we not rest or be settled until we practice what we preach. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.